So these devices and systems are becoming all-embracing in many respects, but amazingly, they're having a huge effect on accessibility for people with disabilities. Well, it, it helps me in all sorts of ways. It helps me to read and consume information. Um, it helps me to communicate with other people and more easily. It helps me to do my job, obviously. Um, it helps me to go out and do activities, you know, shopping and going around museums and going to theatres and things. And, um, it helps me to navigate around as well when I'm out and about. So it just helps me in every aspect of my life and it's given me a lot of independence iPhone is my favourite thing simply because it, it, it isn't a phone. It, it, it is my device of choice because it opens up a huge world of possibilities for me. Really, um, there, there's still a lot of work to, to happen and a long way to go in terms of um, making technology accessible for disabled people and ensuring that that means that they have the same opportunities when it comes to work. Hello and welcome to the Disability Download. The Disability Download is brought to you by pan-disability charity Leonard Cheshire. I'm Cathy Lynch. And I'm Erin O'Reilly. And on this podcast, we respond to current topics, share stories and open up conversations about disability. So Christmas has just passed. You might have got some new presents, some new technology that might have been I don't know like an Amazon Alexa or an Echo um, one of those small Google Doc things that kind of talks to you and you can talk to it and play your music or watch shows but did you know that everyday tech actually assists disabled people in their lives so for some people you know an iPhone isn't just an iPhone it's for loads of different things and it helps people to live their lives as independently as possible. Definitely. I think phones are just, you know, so much more than that. There's so much more than just a phone. They can enable people to be able to understand their surroundings, to get travel updates, something as simple as reading out messages or emails. Um, it can really transform disabled people's lives in a way that I guess other people might not have realised. So obviously it's so essential in personal lives, but also really, really crucial um, within the workplace as well. Um, you know, assistive technology is absolutely vital in helping people to, you know, do their jobs, to adapt to their workplace surroundings, to succeed, excel, get promoted in new roles, and just to create more inclusive environments as a whole anyway. So that's why it's definitely something we really wanted to chat about on this episode of the Disability Download. Yes, yeah, so in this episode, Erin um, talks with Steve Tyler, our Director of Assistive Technology. Um, you may uh, recognise his dulcet tones from the uh, Lego Brow Bricks episode. Um, so he's an all-round kind of um, amazing assistive tech um, guru. So he's, so he's part of so many developments and groups. Um, he chats to us about the developments in assistive technology. And Erin also chats to Glenn Turner, who is an online blogger known as Well I Never. And he talks about the impact assistive tech has had on his life. Um, and Erin also chats with our chief executive, Neil, um, Neil Heslop, to talk about some of his favourite assistive tech devices. Um, and then we also chat to our policy manager, Charlene McGee, um, and she sort of just rounds it all off with what the government needs to do um, with its access to work scheme to ensure disabled people actually benefit from it from a technology perspective. 
So first up, let's hear from Erin and Steve. So Steve, how do you think assistive technology will continue to develop and what main gaps do you think there are in the market at the moment? So the concept of assistive technology is gradually changing and things that we called assistive uh, a few years ago are gradually encroaching into the mainstream, um, which is a great thing. Uh, you know, it's something that I've been uh, battling for along with others for some time. Um, for me, the really big changes that are happening right now are voice assistance. So voice assistance um, is appearing in all sorts of devices, all sorts of products. The really obvious ones like um, Amazon's Alexa, uh, Amazon's Echo products. Um, there's a whole host of, um, and, and Google Home, of course, and the whole host of things like Cortana and things in, uh, in the Microsoft ecosystem. But, I mean... In the end, what people were striving to reach is that idea that um, your devices can talk to you and you can talk to your devices, that you get sensible responses out of them and so on, and that's what we're trying to go for. It's going to be some time before we get there um, where we get really good um, outcomes from those because it re relies on lots of computer power at the moment and we're not understanding enough or not codifying um, enough around meaning and semantics of language so it's still very easy for machines to get confused by the way you talk and the way they can't really figure out deeper meaning they can figure out the words individually gradually that will improve um, the other really big deal which is a little bit hidden from view but is affecting everything we do is artificial intelligence. So this idea is all about being more human in the end. Again, at the moment, um, it looks impressive, but really they're algorithms. They're things that rely on rules um, that coders write. Um, and they're very complicated rules, but nonetheless, they're, they're, they're still just machine-based rules. Can we make a system or a machine um, feel as if it's as intelligent and you're getting as intelligent a response as you would uh, from a human being. Again, a long way off that, but we're already beginning to see this stuff encroaching in machines being helpful, making decisions for you. Already, machines can fill out your tax returns. Um, they can fill out, um, you know, they can create a will for you. Um, anything that's formulaic and anything that relies on on a reasonably strict framework of things that have to be uh, completed, machines can do. I suppose it's affecting, from an assistive technology point of view, um, a key area, which is everyday living. This is about the connected home, connected devices in the home. So in my house, um, I've got things like a robot Hoover that um, is controllable through the voice assistant. They all connect to each other. So I can say, Alexa, um, ask the cleaner to clean the house. And that's exactly what happens. Um, and the cleaner learns and, and maps the house and begins to understand where things are. Um, so it gets better at doing the job. And you can tell it where you don't want it to go if there are areas you don't want it to go. Um, I've got Nest, which is um, a whole set of things, but it includes a thermostat, it includes a, 
doorbell with face recognition um, and camera technology. Uh, it includes smoke detection. But all of these things talk to each other and they begin to learn about your behaviour. So they begin to learn about when you go out and when you come in. And when you're at work, as I am today in London, how long will it take me to get home? It knows those things. And when I'm on the train approaching home, it knows when to put the heating on or when to turn the hot water on. So these devices and systems are becoming all-embracing in many respects, but amazingly, they're having a huge effect on accessibility for people with disabilities because now with the connected home you can control that set of devices in a whole host of ways whether you want to talk to them control them through an app if you're using switch technology on a computer because you have a significant physical disability it doesn't matter all of these things are operable um, through a whole host of different um, devices so when we're thinking about the products themselves, uh, do you think there's more that manufacturers can do to consider accessibility in the early phases of product design? There are two golden rules for me when thinking about products. So think about right at the beginning, think about the user experience and by definition accessibility, but think about the vast number of different types of people and need there is out there and how people are going to interact with the with the product that you've got and in thinking about um, that there are standards there are ready-made standards and procedures that you can use you know if you're developing a website there are standards built right into um, the web development arena the World Wide Web Consortium in this case has a whole host of standards around HTML and how you build HTML properly and there are tools that help you deliver on accessibility. If you're building an app there are so many support materials um, produced by Apple and Microsoft and, and Google um, on helping you uh, deliver on that and this is a lot of it really very obvious stuff. It's about using um, if you're creating an app, for example, and you're uh, making a button, well, firstly, call it a button uh, rather than labelling it something else or not labelling it at all. And secondly, use the right classification um, uh, of widget uh, in, in, the, in, in the application so that you're, you're playing by the rules, essentially. That's absolutely vital to do and not very onerous. Um, it's just that an awful lot of the time people use very automated procedures, they don't really think about where they're going, they kind of experiment a bit and if it looks okay, you know, it, that's good enough. But of course what they don't realise they're doing necessarily is barring people um, from using their product. I think the second um, golden rule is user testing so you can make the best product on the planet and use every standard in the book but in the end you're dealing with human beings um, and ultimately it's got to make sense to people it doesn't matter if um, you can read everything on the screen or if you can access it in whatever way if the product doesn't make sense or the journey that you're trying to get your customer or the user to go on isn't making sense to them, well, 
it's just not going to work um, and people won't buy into it. So it's hugely important to engage um, users in the testing process and, of course, make sure that as part of that you've got cohorts of, of, of people with disabilities trying out your stuff. Next, Erin catches up with Glenn. So, Glenn, when did assistive technology first become a key part of your life? Um, well, it's always been a key part of my life because I was born visually impaired, so I've always had to make use of it. Um, I suppose mainly kind of in, when I first went to school, it really became useful for kind of, you know, reading things and, you know, doing, being able to do any work. So it's just always been part of my life ever since. And in your professional life, has assistive technology always been available in the workplace or is it something you might have had to request in the past? Um, it's been something I've had to request. I've only had one job. I've had one job for the last 14 odd years. So, yeah, I, I had to request it. Well, I went through Access to Work okay. for that. Yeah, so you have used the Government's Access to Work scheme. I have indeed, yeah. Yeah, that's been well, incredibly useful. You know, so it's opened up work to me. I wouldn't be able to do work without it, really. I've had, I've had, I've had a CCTV through it, you know, the video magnifier you can get, and I've had um, magnification software for the computer and taxi travel to and from work as well, so it's come in very handy. Wow, and how did you find out about the scheme? Was it something you kind of had researched yourself, or did someone point you in the direction of it? Uh, someone pointed me in the direction of it, I think. It might, may have been, because I work for a local authority, so I think someone there probably knew about it anyway. Yeah. Um, well, it might have been the employment agency I was with. I can't quite remember, but it was quite easy to get into it. And so when you use assistive technology day to day, what are some of the most valuable ways it's, it's affected your life and kind of benefited you? Um, well, it, it helps me in all sorts of ways. It helps me to read and consume information. Um, it helps me to communicate with other people uh, more easily. It helps me to do my job, obviously. Um, it helps me to go out and do activities, you know, shopping and going around museums and going to theatres and things. And, um, it helps me to navigate around as well when I'm out and about. So it just helps me in every aspect of my life. And it's given me a lot of independence. You know, I haven't got to rely on other people to do things. You know, I can do everything by myself. And in turn, that's given me a lot more confidence. So it's just made me feel much happier about myself as a person, knowing that I can go out and do, you know, just live my life in the same way that anyone else can with the help of this technology. Yeah, definitely. And, and do you have a favourite favorite one, or are they all kind of different, they benefit you in different ways? Uh, well, I mean, the favourite thing I have is my iPhone. I mean, because smartphones are just amazing these days. I mean, it, it's almost cruel to call them a phone because they're just a, base, there's a, a huge computer in your pocket now. Yeah. They do so much, and it's just, yeah, it's made life so much easier having that in my pocket all the time. Yeah, so that kind of leads on to my next question, actually. So do you think there's enough knowledge and awareness about the wide-ranging possibilities of assistive technology? So basically the fact that there are assistive elements to a lot of devices that maybe some people don't know about or wouldn't have considered? Yeah, I think there is certainly increasing awareness. I mean, it's easy to say from the perspective of someone who uses the internet and social media that, you know, that it gets posted about a lot there. And there are a lot of people who use the internet and social media these days, but equally there are people who use it. So, you know, people who are elderly or people who just don't access the internet for whatever reason, I know there are social groups I'm a member of in London where they, you know, they bring people in to show people you know, the accessible technology that they wouldn't otherwise know about and show them how to use it. So it, it's important not just to rely on the internet, but to make sure that everybody is getting the information they need through I know, social services, local authorities, or advertising in other ways to make sure that everybody is reached and nobody is left out. Definitely. So do you think that at the moment the current range of assistive technology devices on the market 
are fit for purpose and are meeting people's needs? Or do you think there's room for improvement in some areas or maybe a gap in the market? I mean, I think there's a lot of technology out there now and there's probably something out there for everybody. Um, how well it's advertised and publicised probably varies. Um, there's always room for improvement. Technology is improving all the time. I think one of the issues more than what it is, is is the cost of things, really. There's some great things out there, but they cost like three or four figure sums. Yeah. And, you know, even if you're on benefits, it's still very difficult to afford these things. Um, so that's, I mean, I know these, these things aren't mass market produced, perhaps. So, you know, the companies perhaps can't or don't want to make them cheaper, but it's in their interest to make them affordable to as many people as possible because it will bring them business, really. So, um, yeah, it'd be nice to see prices come down on some things. Definitely. And it's also important, of course, to realise that some technology seems to be becoming more inaccessible in some ways, which we've got to watch out for, like things like washing machines and cookers are becoming more touchscreen-based, which, is which isn't at all helpful when you're visually impaired like me, for instance. It's harder to find things with dials on, things like that. So... Do you think when they're kind of doing product design that people really should be considering more about, you know, making it accessible from the start and perhaps maybe that is not being considered when they are trying to speed up technology and make everything more flashy and touchscreen and that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Yeah, I think they need to get disabled people involved from the outset. I mean, you know, the more they can consult with the community and get, you know, a sense of the needs that they have, then they can build it in, you know, from the beginning and that, by building an accessibility for disabled people, you're, you're building it in for everybody. You're making everybody's life easier. It's, my, it's like if you're building a house, if you make that accessible for disabled people, it's easier for everybody to live there. Um, so, yeah, definitely get involved from the beginning, absolutely, yeah. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for that, Glenn. You're very welcome. And now we listen to Neil. So, Neil, in what ways has assistive technology transformed your life in recent years? Blimey, that's a big question. Uh, Transform my life. Um, I, I guess assistive technology is at the at the very heart of everything I've been able to do, both uh, a personal, social, and leisure point of view, but importantly from from a work point of view. So uh, for me, I lost my sight when I was about twenty. Um, and so making that transition to having been fully sighted to being fully blind um, in education, the, the, the big issue was how do you, how do you transition from um, university into work? And what I found was that when I, when I left university and started working in the telecoms industry, in order for me to make my way in my, my chosen career, it was absolutely critical for me to become very confident and, and, and reasonably skilled at using assistive technology, not, not as an end in itself, simply as a means to an end, in that by doing so, all sorts of things became possible and, and I was able to operate in a variety of roles that without it would have just been completely impossible. And do you think there's enough awareness about the types of assistive technology available? And how do you think disabled people can get more out of the technology that's available? Um, well, I think there's two halves to that question. Uh, it, it, is there enough awareness? Um, I would say no. Um, I think one of the great challenges is that is that the uh, the art of the possible uh, is changing so fast. So you know, I'm 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 someone who I, I mean I've been blind now for. Uh, over 30 years 
and what technology can do for me this week is hugely different to what it could do to even 12 months ago. So what that means is through those, those 30 years, you've got to constantly make attempts to stay on top of, of, of new and different things. And I think that can feel a bit intimidating. Um, but once you kind of get, in, get into the swing of it, um, I think what you, what you learn is that if you do stay on top of it and invest some time and effort in your own skills, the payback is, 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 is amazing. Um, I think, so for individuals, I think it's really important to, to know about it and, and to have the, the commitment to keep yourself current, um, accepting that that's a huge challenge. And then I think from, from the awareness point of view for employers, um, I think when uh, individuals are thinking about can this individual um, successfully do this job, um, the fact that technology is moving so fast and, and, the, and the solutions to day-to-day -day practical problems are coming um, more and more every day, it's a huge challenge for um, organizations to, to stay abreast of it. And, 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 and I think you know, that challenge is what all organizations and all leaders in those organizations have to, have to stand up to. So when thinking about employment, do you think there are any steps that employers should be taking to ensure that accessible technology is ingrained within their businesses rather than something they consider once there's a need for it? Well, I think um, the principles about um, inclusivity, inclusive design um, are really, really important. And so that just mainstream systems these days... Um, differ enormously. There are those that have been designed right from the outset with inclusivity and accessibility in mind. And I think organizations can demand of their suppliers um, that the, 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 the systems that they, um, that they provide for organizations are indeed um, uh, completely inclusive and, and 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 accessible by design. So I think there's a huge responsibility on organisations to get their procurement right. Um, I think the good thing about that is that brings huge business benefits way beyond the inclus inclusivity for um, for people with disabilities. It's just really smart, sound business when looking at the your your income and your costs and and, and how you manage it so uh, I, I think that's hugely important i think it's hugely important for the uh, the hr community to keep up to date with um support structures so things like access to work and and reasonable adjustments and all, all those things. So I think those are a couple of practical steps that organisations can take. And do you have a favourite piece of assistive technology at the moment? Do I have a favourite piece of... Um, well, I guess, like, like you know, and, and, and the answer to this question is obviously very, very, very personal and very, very different depending on the nature of one's, um, one's disability. For me, as someone with a visual impairment... Um, 
the iPhone has been utterly, utterly amazing because it, 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 it's sort of become my window to the world. And um, because of that principle of um, inclusive and accessible by design, that's what, that's what Apple have done. So, that, so for the, the whole ecosystem of um, synthesized speech, of electronic braille, and, and, and some of the really sophisticated apps, if I, if I access it through my iPhone, there's just a vast array of things that I can do that, that previously were unthinkable. You know, from, from reading the paper in the morning to it telling me which bus to get onto, to telling me where my, what the, the train departure board is saying, to being able to take a picture of uh, a printed document and it read it to me. Uh, I could even stalk my kids on Twitter. Um, so, so iPhone is my favorite thing simply because it, it, it isn't a phone. It, it, it is my device of choice because it opens up a huge world of possibilities for me. That's great. Thank you very much, Neil. Okay. Finally, we chat to Charlene about the Access to Work scheme. So, Charlene, what more do you think the government could be doing to encourage employers and people with disabilities to make more use of the Access to Work scheme? Our research um, report from earlier this year uh, showed us that only 23% of disabled people in the UK, either currently or previously working, had ever received access to work support. And yet, we know the value that access to work can, can offer for disabled people and really um, keep them able to, to stay in the workplace, um, particularly when um, you know, a condition is fluctuating or when um, a disability or health condition first starts to emerge. Our research also showed that when it comes to the processes behind access to work, that there can be really lengthy processes. 69% of uh, disabled people who we spoke to um, had said that they had to wait um, up to three months uh, for their um, application to be approved. And so we can imagine really um, how this can have a, a really big impact, um, particularly if you have uh, perhaps just secured a job um, and, and how that job then can be, can, can be jeopardised by, by not having the right support that you're entitled to. Um, in, in place, in time. So it was recently announced that a number of influential leaders had been appointed to an Artificial Intelligence Council. With that in mind, what do you think the government should be doing to ensure that assistive technology is part of key discussions and forms an integral part of the adoption of new technologies by businesses and organisations? Well, there is a growing awareness um, of what potential and what opportunities that assistive technology provides um, in terms of enabling disabled people to, to, to live um, independently and, and to work independently as well. Um, and yet we are also really aware of the fact that only 22% of disabled people have, ev have, have never used the internet. So there are gaps there in terms of um, addressing uh, you know, skills that are needed um, and, and access to technology um, that, that still needs to happen um, for disabled people. Uh, we recently um, hosted an event um, in Parliament um, really trying to open up the conversation on assistive technology, um, speaking to MPs and also um, having the support of the Minister for Care, Caroline Dynage, um, as well. So 
there are there is real progress happening and and certainly those conversations are starting to open up and and involving businesses um as well but really um there there's still a lot of work to to happen and a long way to go in terms of um making technology accessible for disabled people and ensuring that that means that they have the same opportunities when it comes to work um and and all aspects of their lives thank you very much charlene so this episode has been like really exciting for us because it's just really cool um, and assistive technology is constantly developing. So if you are developing any technology or uh, you're interested and you want to kind of understand a bit more, just get in touch and uh, we'll chat to you. Yeah, so hopefully this episode's kind of broadened your horizons into the type of assistive technology that's out there um, and that might even be in your own pockets. Um, and like Cathy said, this is the topic we're, you know, we're really excited about and we always want to talk about and know about the latest developments in. Um, but if there is a device or something that we've not talked about in this episode um, that you think we should know about or should be talking about, definitely get in touch with us. So send us an email at disabilitydownload at leonardcheshire.org or get in touch with us on Twitter at Leonard Cheshire. And as always, remember to like, share and subscribe. I'm Cathy Lynch. And I'm Erin O'Reilly. And this has been the Disability Download.